Hello my friend, I'm Avi Caparas, host of The Decisive Life and founder of Ethics for Work and Life. And I'm honored to be your decision coach today to help you become a better person by making better decisions every day. I believe that we arrive at crossroads, we face dilemmas, we get at decision moments for a reason, and it is up to us to face them with serenity and courage and most of all, gratitude. Hi everyone! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone who is listening from all over the world. I'm very happy right now that we are back again streaming from where I am right now, from Malaysia. And today I have a very interesting topic. It's about truthfulness. If you read the news, if you are very active in social media, you might realize that truthfulness may seem to be on the decline. If you keep track of the daily lies that are discovered in politics, in recruitment, when CVs are enhanced with a little bit of lies or a lot of lies and then in social media in schools from my experience really some students can get used to some lies some of them no so reasons are really aplenty for why people don't speak the truth and these are good starting points to understand the reasons why they are doing that and that's very good to understand so that we can move forward in order to come up with strategies to have more truthfulness around us or inside of us. And Germany's Holocaust education is a powerful case study for courageously counteracting denial and distortion of the truth. And our guest, German Embassy Head of Mission, Laura Oixle, will talk about the beginnings and the learnings from the Holocaust education. As a parent, she will also share her strategies and her tips to educating her children in truthfulness. Hi, Laura. Hi. Just also a little bit of context, because in June, my friends and I, they agreed to sit with me to watch Judgment at Nuremberg. So it has been um, in my wish list of films to watch for ethics, for when I teach ethics. So it's been in my wish list, never really had the time to watch the film, although I've read so much about it. And I was very curious about how Germany is tackling those years of the Holocaust, how they're facing it. And some German visitors told a friend of mine who also watched the film with me, they said that actually they have a Holocaust education. I got really interested in that, and I think we will learn a lot from Germany's experience. So Laura, could you please describe to us the Holocaust education in Germany? Yes, of course. I mean, before we start describing the Holocaust education, we have to be at the same page what this is really about. So it's about understanding what happened in Germany in this period between 1933 and 1945, to understand how Hitler came into power, how could that happen, but then also naming the perpetrators, most importantly naming the victims to understand what happened to them, who were the victims? I mean, we know that it was mainly targeted at the Jewish population in Europe, but there were also Sinti and Roma peoples, there were Slavs, there were uh, homosexuals targeted and political enemies. They were marginalized, they were imprisoned, and eventually they were killed. And there were six million Jews in Europe, around two-thirds of the Jewish population in Europe, victims and killed in a genocide. And this became known as the Holocaust. So this is what Holocaust education is first about, to really equip 
students and, and children with this knowledge so that we are all at the same page. But then as there is also something beyond that. It's really about historical consciousness and empathy. But then it's about empowering our students and empowering them in their development of a democratic attitude and empower them to make the right decisions and to make informed decisions based on their past. I would like to mention two studies here to just explain how relevant this topic still is or how relevant it is to rethink Holocaust education uh, all the time and to optimize it and improve it. Because as you might all know, racism is quite widespread in Europe, but especially also in Germany. And I read that one-fifth of the German population were themselves or have reported to be victims of racism in Germany. Half of the German population, about 50 percent, have witnessed incidents of racism. So, so this is one thing. And then if we look at education specifically, we know from a survey of the Kerber Foundation, this very shocking number that around 40 percent of the German students, but this is the age between 14 and 50 and 17, didn't know what Auschwitz was about. And I mean, this is really concerning and this really led to a new impetus or gave a new impetus in Germany and in the German parliament and, and also in German politics to rethink Holocaust education in Germany. And of course, we have a, a long history of Holocaust education. It actually started right away, right after the end of World War II. There was some kind of pressure of the Allies to denazify and to re-educate the German population. So we had this impetus from, of course, outside first. Of course, in the beginning, there was probably not everywhere an internal motivation to, to deal with the German past, which was so immediate at that time. And then the Cold War happened and there was this divergence because Germany was split in the eastern and in the western part. And this is also something interesting, actually, to, to look at how different the two Germanys actually dealt with Holocaust education at that time. So West Germany actually focused on the constitutional values, and it was really about the credibility of the Federal Republic of Germany as a free and democratic um, state. And they, of course, immediately introduced the federal system in education. So we are also see different developments depending on uh, which area you look at. Of course, there were setbacks in, in Western Germany. And then um, I think it was in 1992 when Holocaust education um, was really made a requirement, as I said before, that every German student will have a Holocaust education in their curriculum. So no student leaves the school without having dealt with Holocaust in their education. And then just maybe a sentence on, on Eastern Germany. This is already before, of course, 1992. Uh, so the focus was a bit different there. It was really focused on anti-fascism. It was focused on the collective rather than the individual. So there was not really a discussion between generations, as we saw it in West Germany. The, the kids asked their parents and their grandparents about their roles uh, during um, the Nazi regime, but it was more, there was no, no confrontation with the um, individual past. Then, as I said, it has been after the reunification, um, really the systems also have been um, uh, unified. I think there's quite an elaborate strategy of how 
holistic Holocaust education should take place with unified goals and unified methods and a stress on memorial sites, on fitnesses, on museums and archives. Yeah, I think this is, this is maybe the basics that we uh, should be aware of. Yes, thank you very much. That is really like a summary of all the antecedents of the Holocaust education. So it really is like an alarming situation. It is. I think the strategy really is, and this has been successful, that there is no German student who leaves school without having been educated about the Holocaust. So this is the baseline. And then, of course, we have a federal system in our educational sector. So all the 16 different federal states of Germany, of course, have their own ways of dealing with Holocaust education. But in the end, the baseline is every student learns a lot about Holocaust, starting from grade eight all the way until they leave school. And of course, there are common goals and a common understanding of what we actually want with our Holocaust education in Germany. As a student, did you go through that process that there was less of that education and then afterwards when you were in school there were more initiative on that like what did you experience as a student actually for myself i think i enjoyed quite a holistic and quite an extensive holocaust education at school we also started around grade eight and in our history classes this was really the focus grade eight grade nine grade ten i think there was hardly anything but this topic that was covered in our history classes and i think it was being dealt with in a very good way so uh, students actually didn't get bored, but rather got really interested into the topic, asking themselves, or we ask ourselves the questions like, how could this happen? What can we do? What can we do in the future to make this never happen again? And it was not only in our textbooks and teachers telling us about Germany's past and about the Holocaust. It was also about going to museums, visiting memorials, but then also visiting a concentration camp, which was really, really impressive, like sadly impressive for all of us. And there we also met with contemporary witnesses, people who were survivors of that very concentration camp. In my, in my case, it was concentration camp in Bavaria in Dachau. And these are really memories that I still have very clearly in my mind, even though it's uh, quite a few years ago, that we talked to these persons who experienced the worst things you can ever imagine and who are, have the, the courage to go there again and talk to students about what they have experienced. And then, I mean, you started introducing the topic with movies, and there are many, many very good educational movies about the Holocaust, not only documentaries, but also movies that are actually just interesting to watch and also some that are more, um, that are actually to watch also for students at a younger age, not too brutal, but still uh, making students and even children understand what happened at that time and, and how people and how Jews especially were affected by the Nazi regime in Germany. That's good. I actually heard about a particular film. Since you have mentioned movies, of course, I've watched Schindler's List, one other film that I forgot. But recently, I noted that there's still that effort to look into all the films and to see how accurate they are. So is there a constant effort to go through all of this multimedia 
which I think is appealing to the young generation, but still there must be a care to know which is accurate. I don't know this specific case, but uh, I can imagine, and it's quite clear that there is this trade-off between artistic freedom, of course, when we talk about movies, and of course historical accuracy. But I think that regarding the Holocaust, we really have to be historically accurate and we cannot tolerate content that especially like minimizes what happened at that time. So I think especially in this case, we have to be correct and we have to teach our kids really about the truth. And you mentioned also that you listened to some survivors. And I think really in terms of education, that really for some students be much more memorable than being there in the structures, in the camps, and not seeing anyone who actually experienced them. So that's why in education, storytelling is really, really effective. But my concern right now is by the time your children have reached an age and being there, would there still be survivors at that age, the ones who have suffered this probably will be gone. And what could be the alternative to listen to these stories to actual people? I think this is exactly the crucial point, And this is really the question that educators and also politicians ask themselves, because we are really at the crossroads now that there are unfortunately less and less contemporary witnesses, because we talk about the period, as I said, between 1933 and 1945. And I think there are many, many uh, good initiatives of how to uh, deal with this, of course, natural development. And I mean, other countries face it as well with um, like historical periods that are so far in the past that there are no more survivors and no more um, contemporary victims. And I think modern technology really offers a lot of options. I've heard about museums which really collect a lot of video content at the moment, really archiving all the details that these witnesses can share or can still share. And even to make it interactive tools, I mean, many things are possible with modern technologies. So I think technology really plays an important role in keeping these memories alive. And as of now, there are still contemporary witnesses who talk about what they have experienced during Holocaust. And there are lots of initiatives going on to really preserve their memories. This is one thing. And then also, I mean, we have to also look at the second or the third generation, especially of Holocaust victims who can, of course, talk from also a very personal perspective about their family history. So this is also something that's that's being done at the moment. And then, of course, Holocaust education started right away, right after World War II. So there is already a lot being preserved in our museums, in our archives, in monuments that people can visit. And all the concentration camps actually have been turned into a memorial sites. So this is all still there. And uh, I know it cannot replace meeting an actual contemporary witness, but this is probably as close as we can get. And in terms of funding, how do these museums, the ones who are in charge of archives and everything, how do they get those finances to keep operating and keep getting new materials? 
financial sector, it's clearly public funding. And as I said, there is really a big momentum to keep Holocaust education on the curricula, to optimize it, to improve it, to also adapt it to these challenges that we had just discussed. And also, of course, there are private initiatives. There are also many private museums, for instance, of families who have been victims of the Nazi regime who want to preserve their family history. So it's definitely a mix, but definitely there is a lot of uh, public funding available in Germany for preserving the memory and making the Holocaust and the, the Nazi regime not forget. It's very good that in terms of financing, the initiative is really coming from the government, really something to learn from. We have some impact statistics. Somehow, I, you mentioned something, is it like one-fifth of the population do not know about the Holocaust? No, no, this was a study conducted in 2018 by the Kerber Foundation, and it was really about a Holocaust education. And there was this number that everybody in Germany at that time was really shocked about. The number was that 40% of students between 14 and 17 years of age, I think, were not aware what the Auschwitz concentration camp was or that Auschwitz was a concentration camp. Of course, this is very shocking, but we also had to take a closer look at the statistics because, as I said before, the baseline is no German student leaves school without having been educated about the Holocaust. But starting from uh, grade eight, so some of those who were interviewed in the study probably were younger than grade eight when they started interview uh, 14-year-olds. So they have not been through this formal part of their education yet. But still, it's a concerning, it's an alarming number. And of course, I think we will talk about this later, but there is not only the role of the school, but also the role of the families, the role of the state. So I think Holocaust education is mainly, but it's not only about formal education at school. Mm -hmm. And what improvements are foreseen in the near future in terms of this initiative of the Holocaust education? Well, we have discussed a couple of challenges already. So we have this challenge of having less and less contemporary witnesses. The memory gets more distant as we move ahead. I mean, that's a natural thing. So we do have to find a replacement for this direct contact and these direct conversations with Holocaust survivors. And as I said before, this is quite challenging because also, when I think back about my education, this was really the conversation that left a lasting impression on me. And I remember many, many of my friends actually started crying because it was just so unbelievable what these persons, the Holocaust survivors that we met, told us about their experience and their family's experience. So this is something hard to replace. And as I said, we need to uh, move ahead with technological solutions to this. And uh, of course, also finding other ways and just uh, providing a very holistic stance towards Holocaust education. Then, uh, of course, we also talked about this before, that there is an increase of uh, rightist, of extremist tendencies in our societies, especially on social media and on the Internet. You can find misinformation, disinformation, anti-Semitic rhetoric that needs to be countered. And also here, there is, of course, a strategy how to deal with it. But as you can imagine, it's quite difficult and it's quite hard to really deal with all 
the single bits and pieces of this misinformation that are out there on the internet. And then lastly, another challenge I would like to mention and to discuss, and this is a positive development. Of course, Germany is becoming more and more diverse also in the student body. This is due to migration into Germany, and it's a real opportunity, of course, but it also poses challenges in terms of, for instance, Holocaust education, since you have a diverse classroom of uh, persons of many different backgrounds, but also with different national identities. So not necessarily all the students in the classroom have this German identity and some of the students may have different ways of having dealt with their own pasts, but also with like Holocaust education in the past. So we really have to, of course, stick to the goal of making students understand what happened who were the perpetrators and, of course, who were the victims and what happened to them. But we also have to open up the discussion and have an honest conversation about cultural and religious diversity, about tolerance, about nonviolence, about human rights and about democracy. And I think this is the common denominator. And this is one of the goals of Holocaust education in Germany to really give the students the knowledge, of course, but also empower them to think critically and to learn from the past and learn about what it means for a society to have experienced such a cruel past, such a genocide like the Holocaust that happened. Yeah, you mentioned two things that I took note of, really the challenge of fighting anti-Semitism, because, I mean, recently the the ones who didn't believe in the vaccine could put their information and the ones who believed in the vaccine could fight with their own information and then each one fighting their little, little arguments and sometimes it's just the algorithm of Facebook <laughs> who could be the winner in really pushing what, what the others are really interested to look at. I mean, the algorithm is also one key player, I think, in this effort to fight anti-Semitism. Yeah. So, and then the other challenge that is very interesting, that you really have a diverse school population. If I have a class of half Germans and the rest are from all over the world, it really is quite challenging to engage the non-Germans to be interested in this. But I think there will come in the civic responsibility. We're one world. What happened to Germany, what happened to the Jews also affects me as a Filipino. For me, we're on one race, one children of God. Really thinking that that is another challenge for teachers exactly. to bring up the children's civic responsibility or inclusiveness or diversity, right? So for me as an educator, I really sympathize with the teachers who are in front of all of this diverse group and them teaching Holocaust education. The others could be bored about it, doesn't affect them, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really a challenge to teach it in a way that everybody, you know, understands what this is about and how important this is and really learn from it and can relate to it. But as you said, we have to open this discussion up because in the end it's about values and human rights, right? Right. Now you mentioned values. Let's go to my other question for you as a parent. Yeah. So how useful is the Holocaust education in educating your children in being courageous to face the truth, to accept the truth, not to deny it? I have to say that I'm really happy to know that I will send my children to a German school and that I can be sure they will be educated about this period of 
German history, they will be equipped with the means and the skills to actually understand it and then also learn from it. So I think this is really something very important and this is something I can be or I am personally very happy about that I don't have to worry about this because it will be taken care of by the state or by the school if if you want. And as I said, I mean, it's about understanding what happened and who were the victims, but it's also about equipping my kids with the skills to critical thinking, but of course the right to historical truth, to historical accuracy. And this is something that sounds maybe a bit trivial or, or people might wonder why would this be important, but I think it's really crucial if we want our kids to be empowered as citizens living in a democratic society. Truth is actually crucial when it comes to justice um, to be delivered in a society. It is about inclusiveness, especially if you lived in Germany at the moment still with victims of the Nazi regime. You cannot just not talk about it. You have to face the truth. And I see it as a basic right, and I'm happy that it is somehow being taken care of professionally with a curriculum that is quite clear in its goals and objectives. So you would somehow delegate to the school and would not really tackle Holocaust at an age younger than the eighth grade? Like what age is eighth grade? Eighth grade is probably like 15 years in Germany. But no, this is not what I wanted to say. I just wanted to say, I think in a way there is um, it being taken care of. But I think the Holocaust is so present in Germany that if my kids grow up in Germany, which they will, or at least they will spend a lot of time there, it will be a topic much, much earlier than eighth grade. And then of course, uh, the parents come in, in and uh, other institutions or the state also, um, because it's, it's quite visible in Germany. We have all these memorials. If you just think about the Holocaust Memorial, which is close to the Brandenburg Gate uh, in Germany, it's huge. I think it's 4.5 acres in the heart of Berlin. So you can really not miss it, basically. And I'm sure that my kids will ask me about what that is. Why are these stones there? What do they stand for? And of course, if we go there with our kids, we have to tell them that it's actually not a playground where they can run around and have a lot of fun. They can, of course, use the space, but they should also be aware of what it means and that there might be also persons there who even have been victims of the Nazi regime. So it's also about respect to the place. And then I don't know if you have heard about the stumbling blocks. We call it Stolpersteine in Germany. So in every German city, you would find these golden stones on the ground. Oh, yes. Um, yes, I've heard of blocks and all these stones have a name on it of a victim of the Nazi regime and uh, some more information about it. And I'm sure that even if we go back to Berlin now, my kids will already see this and will ask what it what it is or why it's golden or why, it, why it's there. And I think uh, it's then in the responsibility of the parents to find a way, of course, to talk about the horrors without horrifying the kids. And to be honest, I still have a couple of, <laughs> of months or maybe even years left before I have to take up this challenge. And I will probably read a little bit about it before or inform, like get a sense of how to explain that to, to your kids. 
And I mean, these are just two examples of how we get in touch with our past and um, how it, how present and visible it is. And also going to museums, there are great exhibitions in Germany, especially focusing on kids. And as I said, not horrifying them, but still give them some of the basics and their understanding of what German history is about. So I think there are many ways and there is lots of material. So we would just have to search on the Internet and might get loads of inspiration and inputs of how to deal with that also already at a, a younger age and outside the school. Yeah, I can imagine the challenge for every parent. Are there other challenges in terms of truthfulness in the German society that you're preparing to form your kids in? Of course, as you uh, just in your initial statement introduced, that there are lots of facets of untruthfulness in our society since it starts like, you know, with minimal lies or just, you know, making your CV look nicer. Um, but of course, I think we shouldn't mix up these two things. One is really about historical accuracy and truthfulness in our dealing with our history. And this is something that is not to be compromised on. So, so this is something we have to be very clear and we have to be very steadfast in teaching nothing but the truth. But then, of course, there are other political challenges, lots of misinformation going on on the Internet. I mean, if we look at the Russian war in Ukraine, the sheer amounts of misinformation that can be found on the Internet, it's actually very hard to deal with that. And it's very hard to counter this with facts and with the truth. I mean, this is just one other example of, of many, many especially political topics where we find lots of myths, um, on, especially on the Internet. And here, I think if we look at our kids and if we look at our education, I mean, we cannot hide this from our kids and our kids will eventually go on the Internet and get in touch with this. So we should really equip our kids with the skills to make a difference between misinformation and facts to uh, really give them the skills of critical thinking, of questioning what they are reading, of checking the sources, of double-checking the sources. I think there is just this, this sheer amount of misinformation on the internet. We really have to take a step back and really empower our kids to deal with it. And we cannot, you know, counter every single bit and piece of disinformation on the internet. This is one thing. And the other really teaching about the values and the core values and give our kids this type of education that they really can make a difference between what is wrong and what is right, what is human. Very good. Really is a challenge. Like we're not living in our grandparents' world. This is really different times. Very, very challenging, very difficult in terms of educating the younger generation and really all my prayers and support for all the parents out there. And thank you very much for distinguishing really the importance of Okay, I've mentioned other enhancement, other euphemisms, other ways to whitewash the truth, and, but this is really huge, the historical accuracy. Thank you for that. And would you have other tips or strategies to propose about educating the children in truthfulness? 
Yes, yes. Well, maybe just the strategy that we have discussed in the beginning, that actually it's not only learning from textbooks and listening to the teacher, but it's exactly about going out of the classroom, experience different historical sites, visit monuments. And of course, I mean, the most valuable uh, thing here is to have these personal encounters with contemporary witnesses with their families, with the second or third generation of victims of such horrors. So I think this is really crucial. And then if a society is not ready yet, it's really about documenting, collecting the information. It's about archiving just to give future generations the possibility to deal with their future because it's just so important for their identity. And it's actually, a, I think, basic human right, this right to, to information, but to historical accuracy. Thank you very much for your time, Laura. I really appreciate the effort, the time, the presence, and really the sharing of all your insights as a citizen, as a parent, to this topic on truthfulness, especially using Germany's Holocaust education as a case study. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Okay, my friend, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Decisive Life. If you liked it, take a screenshot of this podcast, share it, and the link to this episode to three of your friends today. Post it in social media and use the hashtag The Decisive Life. Until the next episode, my friend, be good.